Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Cutback Podcast, where we keep our head on a swivel to bring you our living room commentary on the latest and greatest from the world of sports and the business that surrounds it. I'm Ian Burley. I'm Cullen Munns, and we're off and running. Mr. Munns, I don't know if you recall, but uh, there's an app on my phone called Time Hop. It's, it's, I have a love-hate relationship with Time Hop. It uh, basically shows you your social media posts from years past every day, right? So you open it every day. It says, oh, you tweeted this six years ago when you were a big fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't think I I don't think I want that app on my phone. No. Well, and and I've gone back and forth on it because, like I said, sometimes you see the like, oh, 12 years ago, this was your Facebook status. And you're like, wow, somebody should have shot me in the head. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, But then also you see some of the just gems that you've had over your years. Right. So so there's good and the bad. You got to take the good and the bad. But today, mine reminded me that three years ago today, your boy took a baseball right to the chin. I was I was there. I was a part of the organization. I got called up. That was that was when I got called up to the big leagues. We had the tag team calling in to uh serve as a role that he had pioneered the year before uh as I had to go to the emergency room and get stitches in my chin. Meanwhile, friend of the show Pat Zajac's wife passed out in the emergency room <laughs> with me. Uh so that was just really quite quite the day that I was reminded of today. Um, And it also had an eerie connection to something I did last night. I went to the Oakland A's at Chicago White Sox game in which Chris Bassett, who is a starting pitcher for the Oakland A's, took a line drive clocked at 108 mile per hour exit velo right off the face on the mound. Yikes. Did he, how many stitches did that require? So he was it was bad, dude. It was one of those things where one, it's a sound that I don't know that I'll be able to ever like forget. I mean, it the sound was just like deafening almost. And everybody was like, oh, that's not good. He hits the ground. The catcher gets up to him first and immediately starts waving people over oh, because no. the ball had like split his face open. Um, as my, I mean, you didn't get to see my chin when it split open, but I took a pop fly now off of a bat of somebody who played in Major League Baseball for all that that's all that that's worth. <laughs> Wait, but go ahead, name the, drop. Who hit it? Who hit it well, that busted your face open? We're, we're not going there. He did give me a shirt off of his back literally to wear to the hospital, uh, so so we're all good there. But um, I took a pop fly off the glove, hit my chin, and literally – split my chin wasn't i i think i did see your chin though wasn't it like a a flap like it looked like a shirt you were hanging out your car window well i actually never even got to see it but pat zajac again friend of the show almost passed out before his wife later passed out in the emergency room but uh so imagine that versus literally from what 60 feet six inches away 108 miles an hour directly to the face um my first thought was did he just die because as you know, you get hit in the temple. You're done. You're done. Like literally, if somebody gets hit straight up by a baseball going that fast in the temple, it's probably not going to be good. But he's kind of rolling around. So I'm like, okay, he's not dead. But then I was on first base side. He is a right-handed pitcher, so he finishes. He gets hit on the right side of the face. So can't really see what's going on. Um, but it comes out much later that he had a broken 
cheekbone and a broken jawbone. I assume he had to have had some teeth just fucking explode. I had to, I would have to imagine, like I would imagine he's basically having like some serious reconstructive surgery. Um, of course the broadcast showed like blood there's, I mean, he's bleeding pretty bad. So gnarly moment in a baseball game that, you know, was on the eve of my own three year anniversary of a much less gnarly baseball injury, but one that, you know, six, six stitches to the chin, young Scarface was born three years ago today. I do. I do appreciate young Scarface, but I, I, it does beg a question. And I've kind of thought this for a while now watching baseball because it does happen. I mean, at least every year you see somebody in major league baseball, just get domed off a, a comebacker straight to the mound. Um, and you see it in softball where the, the ladies wear those masks. Why aren't pitchers wearing those? Yeah, and, and that was a conversation on Twitter actually after this happened was like, man, this – I mean, it's it's kind of like such a statistical improbability for the baseball to catch you in the face without you being able to block it when you're just talking about like, you know, a ball that's not that big flying and hitting you in a piece of your body that's also not necessarily that big and also moving so it's like yeah but but even think about batters like pitchers are throwing it not let's say 90 95 and guys get hit in the head and you would think oh they can cover up and can get out of the way but they still don't i mean they no. you still get hit in the head like yeah it's um my my assumption is that most pitchers in major league baseball would not want to wear it i mean think about like like in hockey, those guys, they don't wear full cage helmets. Like if they take a puck to the face, like I don't think they can. I think, I think that somebody, they would wear full ca think? full cages. And, and NHL doesn't allow it? No. The NHL got rid of full cages because it hurt branding because you couldn't see their face. And they wanted to brand the players. And so – now that we're kind of working our way into the work topics, that's a different like look at because look at college. I mean, we went to Michigan. We how many Michigan hockey players? They all are in full cages, almost. Yeah, and and youth hockey is all full cages, like everywhere. Right, until because it's smart to wear a full cage in hockey, and then you yeah. get to the NHL and they need to brand you and brand you as a player, and so they make you they say no full cages. So what do you see guys do? They all have visors. Like right. the thing to watch in the NHL now, like count the number of guys who don't have visors. You could probably count them on one hand. Cause then at least you're covering your, most of your nose the, and your eyes the, and the temple, which you talked about yeah. earlier. Like, the but it was, yeah. Well, and I think even like slow pitch softball. Now I don't know if I'll ever get to play slow pitch softball again, but I never will and never have wanted anything to do with pitching in slow pitch softball. No chance Off that dude or playing infield for that matter. Like, thank God I'm an outfielder by trade. I see. I play so slow pitch softball here in uh, the old Stanky P, America's town, God's town. Uh, but they put me out in center field because, like, I refuse to pitch. Like, absolutely refuse. Dude, it's that's the hardest thing about you know when I was in Grand Rapids, um, we played on some some pretty decent slow pitch softball teams. Had sponsors, the whole nine yards jerseys and all that type of shit. Ooh, what and, kind of what kind of jerseys we have? We had some pretty cool jerseys, actually. My, my buddy Trey, <laughs> this motherfucker, dude, this was one of the best things I've ever seen. So one of our main, we had two main sponsors. One was this uh, like wedding DJ company, and one was a bar, which was great, right? We could go to the bar after the game. We would, we had all these types of specials we could get. 
but our main logo on our jersey was this uh like wedding dj's logo and it had like a turntable and my buddy trey hit a home run one game and without missing a beat hit home plate and fucking <laughs> on the jersey dude as a celebration walking to the bench and i lost it like that was one of the greatest things i had ever seen to this day i was like dude that was fucking brilliant <laughs> see i'm in our slow pitch softball we we weren't very good ourselves but we played against some pretty good teams we had ass eaten season uh was mm. had the georgia peaches as their as their chess logo it was pretty nice uh miller time sponsored by miller light like there things like that so Definitely sponsor softball sponsorships are definitely an area. Maybe maybe the old revolution could get involved. Yeah, we might. One of our uh, <laughs> one of my proudest, actually, now that I think about it, uh, when we were in like college and and most of us were still like in Otsego for the summer, we would play in the Otsego summer league, and we created a team called the Softball Mob, and we had Vegas gold jerseys. Love it. And our logo was a diamond with a softball in the center and Tommy guns crossed on the bottom as they were like like baseball bats, but Tommy guns, and we were the softball mob. You know, what's a goon to a goblin when you're steady mobbing? <laughs> Just out here playing slow-pitch softball. <laughs> slow-pitch softball, steady mobbing. It was great. And that was when we were, you know, just full degenerates. We had people drinking Bud Light Platinums out of water bottles at, at the local park, you know, with like – youth league softball happening on the field next to give us. me give me your now that we're here this i mean this is a classic cutback tangent but now that we're here give me your mount rushmore best rappers that you would draft to your softball team uh one nelly great pick a plus pick uh two i think i've seen him in the celeb game quavo what, what I thought Quavo was the basketball MVP. You think you got yeah, you, you got a multi-sport athlete? Yeah, he was like a pretty decent high school quarterback in Atlanta. So I assume he's just like a good athlete. I, what, so I Quavo. Okay, all right, fair. Who was the guy who played in the MLB celebrity softball game that hit dingers? Wasn't it one of the Migos? It wasn't Quavo. Hey. No, it was it wasn't Quavo. Who's the other Migo? Well, we got Offset. Offset. And- thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would put Rick Ross in there at first base. Woo! Rick Ross has to be a DH. Rick Ross yeah. is not a first baseman. Are you kidding me? Uh, that's a good point. Let's see. So we need one more. We got Melly, Quavo, Rick Ross. Rick Ross. Oh, you know what? This this is he's old, but he played college hoops. We'll take Titty Boy Two Chains. Ooh, you're a lot of Atlanta, a lot of Southern rap coming out of your softball yeah, team. Yeah, basically all of them. <laughs> I mean, well, not all of them, but two out of four, and Nelly is St. Louis, and Rick Ross is obviously Miami-Dade County. But, yeah, I think that would that would probably be the off the top of the dome, Mount Rushmore, slow-pitch softball of the rap game. Damn. I, I mean, I don't have any arguments there. Uh, it's pretty tough to, to argue. Nelly, Nelly was definitely my top pick, and you took him first overall, so I have no argument. Yeah, I can, I'm, maybe maybe later on in the show we'll we'll see if we missed anybody. But let's uh, jump into a couple work notes. I think we have one of our favorite styles of episode this week uh, for the listeners, and that's kind of our our grab bag lightning topic. Where you know we've got a lot of things to talk about. None of them will be super deep, so a lot of headlines for the people, which they seem to like. Uh, our first one, we talked a little bit about hockey. We we're talking about full cage hockey podcast. Hockey podcast, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really uh, follow the NHL this year, but 
Uh, the NHL announced earlier this week uh, that they will introduce jersey patches uh, in the 2022-2023 season. Um, if you recall, they they introduced helmet patch stickers um, this past season. So yeah, we're just getting closer and closer to the like European football model of you know it's nobody really knows what the team is called, but they know the main brand on the front of the jersey. Right, it's going to just turn into the Detroit instead of being the Detroit Red Wings. It's just going to be Detroit, and you're going to know them there because they're going to be sponsored by Ford across the middle. Now, one good thing is Red Wings are a form of boot made by I believe like the Wolverine Boot Company or something. They are they, Michigan. They are so the Red Wings may live on one way. Uh, or I don't think the Red Wing Boot Company <laughs> has enough money to sponsor the Red Wings. Would be uh, that might be my concern. We need an influx of blue collar jobs in the country. Get, really get Tom Klitzmel on the phone. That our number one listener, Tom Klitzmel, if you're listening, uh, get Red Wing boots on the phone. Get get them. Get some guys some boots from there. I like it. Um, one thing that I'll be interested to see. Well, I guess two things. One, the price range. We, we've talked a little bit about NBA jersey patches. The Warriors are at like twenty million a year, but for the most part. You know, the teams are in the three to seven million. I would even argue like two to five realistically. So I one, I assume these NHL deals will be kind of less than five million dollars a year, but it'll be interesting to see if any of those deals come out. And and what I will be really curious to see is a lot of the helmet sticker patches, whatever we want to call them, were not necessarily sold as like unique partnerships like the NBA jersey patches are, where it's like somebody comes in and that's their primary asset, right? Is they are the Jersey patch partner. They get other shit, but like their main thing is the Jersey patch. A lot of the helmet sponsors for the hockey teams were already incumbent premier level partners. Like uh, the New Jersey devils, they play at the prudential center. Prudential got the helmet sticker. So I'm assuming that the Jersey patch will be very similar in that it'll become an asset. That's just baked into some of these already established premier level partners because i'm not sure that they'll be able to find people who want to come in solely to have a jersey patch on an nhl jersey um but maybe who knows we'll find what out what i what i find most interesting about the nhl jersey patch deal and and not not the fact that they actually did it it's the location in which they're putting the jersey patches for these in cuz like you said they're over the opposite chest that your captain c goes so, like, your captain C goes on the left, and then your jersey patch is going on the right. And But when you're watching an NHL game or a hockey game at all, even as a fan just watching it, you go to the game. The number one patch you see as a spectator is the one on the shoulder. Like, yep. So I don't know why they wouldn't get away. Like, because the tradition of the C and the alternate A, like, I just feel like that's – the players would have beef with you kind of conflating those images of the C putting something else next to it and all of that. Whereas when you have the shoulder that you change teams, change their shoulder patch in the middle of the year, they'll change it. I, I think it was the St. Louis blues that in 2020 changed their shoulder patch mid season. We're just like, ah, we don't like that one. We're going to move on to another one. Like I feel like the shoulder patch is the perfect spot for this. And nobody, yeah. no fan really cares about the shoulder patch. Yeah, and it just makes it where 
from like a ROI standpoint, I guess for a brand, it's like you're banking on one, the patch being included on jerseys being sold at retail because like, as you said, people aren't going to really see them on TV and then like social posts, you know, right. like still images that, you know, well, feature that viewpoint. And the other part of it is you're in, in the NHL, they wear sweaters. So like when they're celebrating and you get a picture of them on social media or anything like that, usually their arms are up. What's the number one area that gets all bunched up with wrinkles when you raise your hands or do any kind of movement with your arms right where they put the, it's because you're wearing long sleeves. It's not like the NBA where it's a tank top and you can move your arms around and nothing happens. You still see the patch. But like in the NHL, you've got fabric that stacks up on top of your logo. Yeah, it's um, I, I guess I hadn't actually seen that that's where they're putting the patch. I'm not surprised. But also, yeah, it seems like it's just not going to be a very like uh, desirable asset from a sponsorship right. standpoint and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to us no i don't i don't agree with it i mean i like i'm not upset by jersey ads or jersey sponsors like i don't think it's a like i know the time is coming it doesn't bother me i just think if you're gonna do it do it right right yeah at least do it in a way where you can make the most money off of it right <laughs> instead it's just gonna be potentially a flop uh something that isn't a flop this is actually my money move of the week here um Ooh, we, we're already talked, there well yeah it, you know sometimes sometimes you got to inter, interject it into into the main body of the episode here but built brands which is like i don't know like cliff bars essentially from what i can tell i i never actually heard of them before they are uh headquartered in utah signed a recent nil deal with byu and their football program specifically and part of that deal um, basically sees built brands paying the scholarships for all 36 walk-ons on BYU's football team. So every player on the team was able to enter into an agreement with built brands. Uh, one of the articles said, like, if you're a scholarship player, you get like $1,000 a semester and you have to do, you know, some social posts or different things like that. But for all the walk-on players, built is paying them enough where they will be able to pay their tuition so they essentially become scholarship. a scholarship player they pl they pay the team enough so that the team can treat the walk-on player as a scholarship player because as we know like even something like training table at some places if you're a walk-on if you want to do training table at the facility you're expected to pay for that right so it's i think this is super cool some people you know, are bringing into like, is this pay for play? Is this a gray area? What is this? Um, but I think it was really cool to see a brand say, hey, we want to help make the college athletic experience better for like these guys who are walk-ons and, and obviously work just as hard as the main players on the team. So from like that standpoint, it was super innovative. And I assume now many other brands will hop on that and do the same. The the coolest part of this, and, and I you, you said there's a gray area of this, and there's some I, – I think the NIL, we're going to have nothing but gray area for every single deal, no matter what happens. Probably for the next three years, it's going to be nothing but gray area. But what I think was really cool about this deal is that every guy on the roster had to sign this. Like yeah. there there was no – every guy had to be involved – there was no like, oh, the marketing department forced this on us. 
Like we had to sign up for this. Literally, this deal would not have gone through unless every single player that plays football at BYU signed off that they were okay with this. And literally every single one put ink to paper and said they were good with it. So I think that um, speaks a lot about the quality of the people that they have on that BYU football team. And because normally we're all we're hearing about is how crappy athletes are and, you know, all the bad things they do. But like, you've got some top notch athletes at BYU football and they literally said, Hey, we got to take care of the walk-ons too by putting their name on this deal. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Essentially in this case, the star players are the ones benefiting the least. Exactly. That's exactly it. The star players put their name on a deal where they have to carry the brunt of the workload of the deal and they get the least amount of benefit. Yeah. It's, it's very cool, and uh, I think it's a good way for brands, especially those who are maybe, as we say, like non-endemic or like don't automatically make sense as to like why they would try to utilize a college athlete or, or even be in college sports. It's, it's a way for brands like that to have great storytelling and, and obviously kind of do a partnership with a purpose, which is kind of the, uh, the buzz phrase of sponsorship so far in 2021. Um, we've talked a little bit about the Olympics. We talked a little bit about how, you know, the, the initial ratings were down, you know, now the Olympics have come to a close and the numbers are almost astonishing and and in a bad way where primetime viewership in the U S was down 42% compared to 20, uh, they compared to 2016, which were the previous summer Olympics, which were held in Brazil and this includes across all platforms. Wasn't 16 London? No, 12 was London. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I got ahead of myself. Okay. Yep. 16 was Rio. Uh, Rio. Was Rio. Yep. Um, so this includes all platforms. So they were capturing streaming and, and even taking into viewers on all of NBC's platforms down 42%. Uh, they're already talking about how essentially, I mean, they said 99% of advertisers who bought Olympic ad spots with NBC uh, will be given make good inventory across oh. future NBC programming, which is primarily like Sunday night football coming up in the fall. Um, and this is where my kind of first question came in is the NBC, NBC still in this same like presser basically still said, you know, the Olympics are still going to be very, very profitable for us because they brought, brought in over $1.2 billion worth of ad revenue for the Olympics but I wonder if because so much of the like in this example, Sunday night football ad inventory is now going to be taken up by mate goods versus being able to be sold as like a standalone. Will Sunday night football become less profitable or will they do some magic accounting in the background and make it so they both look profitable? No, what happens is your TV timeouts for football games become long, just became at least 30 seconds longer every TV timeout now. Doesn't the NFL have like regulations around that? Like how many TV timeouts per quarter and the length of them? They have regulations on the quantity of the TV timeouts, but not how long they are. Okay. Cause so it's you, four per quarter, right? Correct. So they have, you can have four, per, uh, whatever the number is. I'll, I'll trust you at four. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's four. I'm pretty that, sure. That sounds right. But you can have X number, four number per quarter, but there was no, they haven't put a, how long each one is. So I'm telling you what's happening is each one just got 30 seconds to a minute longer. 
Yeah, and I think you'll see more like picture-in-picture advertising yep. as well during the broadcast, especially in football where there's downtime in between every play. But, you can bring a 15-second ad in. But what I think here is so interesting about this this headline that you read with such angelic tones is <laughs> that what is so interesting is that NPC came out and did this first without any company complaining, which just should be a, a eye-opening how bad it was. Like – you can't how bad the viewership was you've i it's very rare that somebody comes out with if it's just a lit if an event is a little bad like if a super bowl's bad when back when the broncos beat the seahawks 48 nothing in the super bowl you didn't hear uh i think it was nbc then too uh you didn't hear nbc come out and be like oh we're gonna give all of our sponsors from that super bowl make goods because people turn the game off at halftime like right you didn't hear that because their viewership was still fine the viewership had to have been so abysmally bad the entire Olympics that NBC is getting out of this literally a, a week after the Olympics are over. Yeah, less than. I mean, this this statement came out even you know last week. I would say. Yeah, so less than a week after the Olympics are over, the this state the NBC makes this statement like it had to be drastically bad. Yeah, and and my assumption is they probably realized it very early on. They might have even known going in that that they were in trouble. And I would assume that there were um, like CMOS and and big time people at some of these big companies that paid a lot of money that were on the phone very quickly. Like, all right, listen, yeah. you're gonna make this right because we spent a lot of money with you and. Uh, we need to get the value out of it. I would uh, 100% agree. And uh, let me tell you, when you're on the phone with Visa CEO or you, you, you're you probably, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got it. Uh-huh. What else? How else can I help you? Well, I mean, and we saw it in uh, San Francisco, if I recall correctly. Visa has like an entire internal team just for the Olympics. To the Olympics. Yep. <laughs> Bigger than some companies. Bigger than the entire company I work for with. Yeah. Like <laughs> entirely bigger. Like almost 16 times the size. Yeah. So like these brands that are spend big in the Olympics or spend big in like the World Cup or whatever it is, like they have entire teams and then entire agencies with entire teams strictly dedicated to these events that take place once a year, every two years, every four years. Let me pitch this question to you before we move on. Um do do we think this Olymp- set of Olympics, whether 2020, 2021, whatever you want to call it, does this set of Olympics severely hamper the 2024 Olympic viewership? Where is 2024? Uh, well, it was supposed to be in Qatar, right? Yeah. But I think they're... Or is that the 2024? Like Nope, Paris, 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 Paris. I lied. Sorry, it's in Paris. I would say no, because I, I think we're, and we talked about it a little bit. I think we're just in a weird time where like people are a little burnt out of like the world, and huh. that includes the Olympics. Um, so you're hoping that changes. I, I'm hoping it changes, which is a big hope. Um, but I, I do think that I, honestly, at the end of the day, I think the biggest uh, determining factor is the time zone in which the Olympics are taking place. Beijing was down compared to other Olympics, you know, then when we come back in like those winter Olympics were in Canada, in, in, uh, British Columbia, obviously when the summer Olympics were in Rio, when they were in London, um, 
when things are on the Western hemisphere or, you know, like Western Europe, the U S audience is going to be much bigger because you're going to be able to have more pr prime events live in the U S versus even if we wanted to, it was, we weren't able to really watch things live because it was at the middle of, in the middle of the night or like super early in the morning, you wake up, you see the results and it's just not the same watching the primetime coverage when you know the results of everything that is going to be But didn't shown. we do that? Didn't we wake up early? I know I did, at least when it was in London. I woke, woke up early yeah. and watched it. The time difference between London and Tokyo is like 10 hours. Okay. London is only like a, a five or six hour yeah. time. No, you're, that's fair. That's very fair. I'm not arguing that. So it's, it, it, but even, I mean, I think you bring up a good point where even just that little bit of extra difference, I think makes a huge, difference. has a huge impact on viewership. Yeah. Cause it's just tough. What are you going to do? And, and I assume it's probably the same for other countries when things are in the Western hemisphere and they're in the Eastern hemisphere. Like it's, it goes both ways. Um, what I do will be curious is like, I, I think the Olympics will ultimately land on like a rotating schedule of locations because the jig is up on people thinking that they retain sustained economic and like urban development via hosting the Olympics. Right. Most people lose a shit ton of money and then things go to waste and, you know, facilities never get used again. So looking at Beijing, Beijing, I mean, Athens like went bankrupt. Oh God, Athens was a bad one too. Um, a lot of Brazil is bad. I mean, well, LA is supposed to host it in 2028. I mean, I guess LA's got the, you know, most of the facilities they would need. So yep, I would, I, they'll, they'll be fine. And, but that's, I think, yeah, I, I, my assumption is long term you'll have a handful of rotating sites for the Olympics, and they'll just power through them every year. And and those places will be able to continue to have state of the art facilities, and at the very least, they'll always be used for the Olympics. Probably not wrong. Can't argue that. Take us uh, to where things just matter more, as they oh, say. Oh wow! Look at you. Down in the Southeastern Conference, led by our boy Greg Sankey. Well, okay, so I, you, you brought up a good point in our outline you know, over the vaccination rates uh, of teams and, and football, um, and obviously football season is just around the river bend, um, and and I'm just amazed that I would tell you the conference that it matters more, as you said. Uh, and football seems to be played differently according to them in their conference, and, and football matters to the nth degree, they have the lowest vaccination rate and the lowest seeming seemingness to care about vaccination in the SEC. Um, and I just – I think that, that that's such conflicting – it's it, there's cognitive dissonance period. Like that's why I'm, I want to talk about this with you and, and, and to the hundreds of thousands is like, how can you be the sec and care about playing football in front of your hundreds of thousands of football hungry fans who supposedly understand it, understand how a first down is achieved better than somebody who lives in Michigan or so better than somebody who lives in Oregon. Like you have this great understanding of this sport and you are God's gift to a as a fan to football and yet you're the reason why football might not be played in that area yeah it's um i do think it is cognitive dissonance because 
it's a comparison, right? Like on one hand, you have what the NFL is doing and what we've talked about the NFL doing where they say, hey, from a financial decision, the best thing for us is for us to be able to play the most games regularly scheduled with the most people in the stands. What allows us to do that? Higher vaccination rates. That's just the cut and dry. That's how it goes. Right. There's nothing so, political there. There's nothing political. There, that's that's a it. Financial that's decision. Fact. That is just a scientific fact. It's an economic decision. It's a financial decision. And the logic is sound. Now, on the other hand, you have the Kirk Cousins fallacy of, hey, if I die, I die, baby. Oh, and that's on. the let's, We're playing football. If I die, at least I died in, in the place of worship. And the Jay Cutler fallacy. Okay. Let's throw the Jay Cutler fallacy in there, What's too. What's he got? I haven't seen all oh, smoking. Smoking Jay, also an SEC guy. Uh, yeah, SEC, maybe not for long, but they're SEC now. Uh, Jay, Cutler, oh. Jay Cutler said we as Americans have the right to choose whether we get the vaccine or not. Uh, but if you don't get the vaccine, you should wear a mask. And he said if people, if a football player does not want to get the vaccine, he should have to wear a mask during practice and while he's playing. That's now. So Jay brings up a point that I think is like very middle ground that like. That's what I, I think, too. But I think it's a fallacy, so, too. Yeah, because one, I again, now we're like this is a public health issue, in my opinion. It's it's not a personal decision. Um, but I do at least respect the fact that he said, Hey, if we are going to say we have the freedom to make choices, then we also have to understand that, uh, our choices have consequences and we also have the freedom to, uh, have to deal with those consequences. I mean, listen, man, it's, we're preaching to the choir here, but it's like, are we, are we, I don't know. Uh, uh, hundreds of thousands. Like, are we preaching, preaching to the choir? I think we have some sec listeners. If I walk into McDonald's and I have no shirt on and no shoes, they're gonna say, "Hey, bud, no service." Okay, and, uh, and yeah, shit. if you've got if you've got some Alabama shorts on, you might get a burger in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, but it, it's 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 funny too because it is the cognitive dissonance of of these groups generally being like you know, businesses make their own rules, less governance, so on and so forth. Private private businesses can do what they want. Hyper capitalism. It's like, well, yeah, these private companies are saying this is what we want to do and you're now crying poor you know or you know crying wolf i should say yeah and i just think like that you're the kingpin of football as you claim to be then be it like you should be the the kingpin of making football successful in a year coming out of a pandemic i think it should fall on the quote-unquote you know lion in the in 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 the college football world to carry the torch for everybody else right and instead uh sankey like he did last year will blame the players ultimately when games have to be moved or something crazy happens now maybe the team vaccination rates are okay but like yeah obviously the general numbers down in that part of the country are quite bad oh they're they're the worst there, I, the fun fact. Uh, well, I don't even want to. I won't do that. I don't. This is podcast for the people. I don't need to drop that. <laughs> fun facts can be found in calling text messages. Yeah, and shoot me a DM. Shoot me a, a slide in my DMs if you want the fun fact of the episode. <laughs> let's um, let's hit feel the dreams here. One, th this this one kind of checks both boxes of of work and play because on the work side. It was the most watched regular season Major League Baseball game in 16 years, which is pretty impressive. Um, and then from the play side, 
what a beautifully executed kind of tentpole event game by Major League Baseball. Um, I assume, did you get to watch the game or, or did you have a game of your own? I had a game of my own, but we did, uh, well, multi, multi. We played the game in my office while our game was going on. So we watched it live and then I recorded it at my house. So I did come home and watched it sans commercials at my house after um i aside from the my absolute disdain for white hats and the white Sox uniforms i thought it was awesome like it was good for baseball everything about it was cool i mean it's it was the stadium series that hockey does except just with the baseball flair to it and it couldn't have gone any better from a baseball standpoint either. From an I mean, excitement standpoint, no. Like, yeah. I mean, multiple home runs in the top of the ninth to take the lead, and then a walk off with fireworks. I mean, that's something out of a movie. The only, my only complaint is I wish there wasn't an actual fence, and the fence was the corn itself. That's that's my only complaint. That would be cool. I did play on some fields like that legitimately growing up where, you know, if it rolled into the corn, ground rule double, hands yep. up. Um, so that would have been cool. What did you think about the players walking out through the corn? Loved cool it. or corny? Loved it. Loved it. Thought it was cool. Thought it was a tip of the cap to the movie. Like, I, one, I think the movie's trash. I think the movie's overrated. I, I The movie is overrated. It's incredibly dry and incredibly boring, and it doesn't help the sport of baseball. But the fact that they like copied and came out of the corn and and I just thought it it was a good event all the way around for baseball for the sport of baseball that event could not have gone any better. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, now baseball also does the uh, little league classic at Williamsport, so now they kind of have two of these marquee games. Do you think they'll do like a Sandlot game, a Bull Durham game? Like, are there other opportunities for Major League Baseball to continue to do these types of events? Yes, 100%. I think that's what's going where we're headed. Yes. They got to do Sandlot. They have to. If they built a Sandlot field, dude, that would be so cool. I, I think that's where we're headed. Bull Durham, I'd, I'd tell you, Bull Durham's coming. I think you're going to see the Sandlot would be badass if they did one on the Fourth of July. With, Come on, yeah, man. and then put a beast like Shadow in the in the fence. Oh God, it would be cool. You could the fucking uh, like treehouse that they have. You could Airbnb that motherfucker. Oh, you know? put a bar, put a bar in the treehouse like Oakland, but it's a real treehouse. Like, yep. yeah, let's go. I'm in. Uh, yeah. The, but let's while we're here, we talked about the Little League World Series. Have you watched any of the Little League World Series this year? So I've seen no, not really. All I, right, I've, we have it on at work on like our TV wall, uh, so I walk past and and see it from time to time. But I haven't really actually watched it. I used to watch it religiously. This is my fire breather of the week, and I know it's not in the outline. So are we ready to transition to the fire breather? Yeah, I want to I want to hear this this hot take from from the bleachers. All right. So so Little League World Series. I've I've kind of I was off Monday and I watched a game and then I watched one last night on the Little League World Series. Um I am appalled. Appalled. <laughs> Absolutely like flabbergasted at the strike zone we are giving these poor little leaguers. Like these guys don't stand a chance. 
Like, they would need an oar to hit some of these strikes that we're calling. Like, it would hit somebody in the opposite batter's box, and we're this umpire's over here with the worst strike call. And it's like, we're not giving them, like, the point. It's like this weird, like, punch, like, signal. And I'm like, dude, that's atrocious. And the kid, like, they're little leaguers, so they can't say anything to the umpire. The kid is on ESPN, national television. His jaw damn near hit his kneecap when the kid got when he got called a strike. And he looks at his third base coach like, dude, like what am I supposed to do? I don't stand a chance up here. So it goes from a one what he was in a one-o count, would have hit a batter if he was left-handed, called a strike. And the kid freaks out looking at his third base coach, and the co- third base coach is like, calm down, it's gonna be okay, whatever. Next pitch is low and outside, strike two, and the kid is like, I can't win. Like, this is horrible. ESPN, after the second strike, put the strike zone up for the (laughs) Little League, and it was six inches off the zone, and this guy's called him strikes. So I thought, okay, it's just a one-off game. It's just It was just this guy was really bad, had a bad strike zone. Like, he was calling it for everybody. Fine. Fast forward to the next game, same exact deal. We're talking six inches off the plate. He's ringing kids up, in <laughs> ringing 11-year-olds up like it's his just, oh, you're out of here. And I'm like, good God, dude. Like, we all want to go home, but this is the Little League World Series. You can't be punching them out. Like, kids would be taking bruises on these if they were left-handed. Are are we still? We haven't got to Williamsport yet, right? We like just those are like finished the finals. Yep, we just finished the regional finals. That's where we are. So all the teams that won this past weekend are going to Williamsport. Okay, so we can maybe hope for better umpiring performances at the big dance. Well, I'll tell you this: I'll be watching because I watch those <laughs> regional finals, and I am appalled, appalled. Like I, I literally like. There was some strikes that I was like, wow, even Greg Maddox is, would blush at some of these calls. <laughs> like, like this is brutal. It is pretty cool to see, like, when we were kids, the Little League World Series was always on TV, but even, like, some of the, like, pool games in Williamsport weren't televised, and, and it's grown to now where the every, like, regional pool game is on ESPN. Yeah. Oh, we got the we got the every regional final was on ESPN all day, uh, all day Sunday, every yeah, regional they, final, regional semifinals are on ESPN for sure, and I think uh, games before that are on like ESPN two or are televised as well. So get you some get you some baseball fill before football takes over. Good for those kids, man. I can't imagine being twelve years old and playing a little league baseball game on ESPN. <laughs> well, here's my challenge to you: next week, report back, watch one game, and tell me tell me where you where you've got these strike calls coming from. Okay, I'm hoping that it'll be better in Williamsport. I don't ever seem to recall terrible umpiring in Williamsport, but we'll see. Well, I'll I'll do my homework this week. Uh, Mr. Munz, would you like to introduce the Fantasy Five for us this week? I would love to. Um, so for those who don't know, where have you been, one? I mean, you're, <laughs> you, you, it's, we're on episode 51 now. I feel like you should have it down. Uh, but Fantasy Five, each week, Ian and I pick a team of five participants uh, within a topic. We pit them against each other, throw it to social media. You determine who's got the best team. Um, and we do use the snake system, Ian, because it separates us from the animals. Uh, this week... And, Ian, I, I believe I took lambs to slaughter. 
last week. It was not lambs to slaughter. It was, it was a respectable math. Um, <laughs> it was not lambs to slaughter. I know you're familiar with that because generally you are the lamb. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> this is not this week. I will be lambs to slaughter. And that's why I wanted to kind of lead us in with last week's lamb to slaughter. Um, this week, uh, Ian definitely has at least what I would dub a home field advantage. Um, but we're going with best feature rapper. Now I'm going to let Ian kind of do the clarifications on this, on this topic, uh, because I know feature rapper can come with a lot of caveats. Yeah. So basically we are just going, all rappers are at play. We want to pick the rappers who have the best collection of features. Now they may also be a great rapper of albums and their own singles and so on and so forth. But we are particularly uh, in this fantasy five uh, judging their body of work as a feature on somebody else's song. Correct. Somebody else's song. They come in as the Robin, not the Batman, the Robin. Yes. Got and it. And sometimes steal the show. Some would say uh, more, more often than not much like yeah, more often than that. <laughs> Or often than not, for a quick like 250 grand, uh, here, make this song a hit and also body me on my own song. <laughs> uh, all right, third. So I think I kind of teased it, but I think I did win last week. You did win. You did win. You you approximately had 67% of all total votes, uh, which left me with what, 33%. So math serves. You know, the lambs were being gathered, but they hadn't been brought to slaughter quite yet. 67%. If it got to 70, it's 70%. Is that lambs to slaughter? What's the lamb to slaughter moment? I think we got to say 75 to 80. Okay. 70. If it's above 75, it's lambs to slaughter from here on out. Okay. Episode 51 from here on out. If it's above 75, the hundreds of thousands have spoken lambs to slaughter. Yeah. I mean, every three out of four, that's, that's a slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Lambs to slaughter. Uh, well, per usual, uh, I am going to see the number one overall pick, uh, is a pro move to you. Uh, to make the number one perfect i'll take lil wayne oh damn all right well that was my first pick too i did not think that was coming off the board first i want to give a little commentary around lil wayne just just briefly um because i I think he is one of the guys who has most gracefully maintained a career over now like three decades of rap Um, he started as a guy who was just doing features at like 14 years old with like the hot boys and some of these groups in new Orleans, then obviously blew up into the Lil Wayne that, that we grew up on in like middle school. And while he has put out a couple of his own projects, you know, even over the past like decade, he remains a mainstay in music because he puts out fire verses on these massive smash hits, you know, and he stays relevant. So Sometimes when people try to do that, they come off as as dick riding and and even their verses kind of suck. But man, you hear the lighter flick and you know it's going down. You know, yes, very true. I had Little Wayne. Little Wayne was number one on my big board, so I I do respect the pick. Um, but I also am happy with myself because um, the much more knowledgeable rap fan like yourself picked my number one overall. So I I at least know I'm on the right track with my big board. Uh, (laughs) uh, which means I'm going to go ahead and just take number two and three off my big board. Um, so give me Drake and give me Eminem. Yeah. Good pick on the Eminem. 
I was worried that uh, he might be somebody who didn't get the respect, but whew, I well, honestly, I had it. If I if I'm being real, I needed I had him backwards. Drake, Eminem is two. Drake is three. Um, but I will say my childhood, uh, Eminem with being on with Dr. Dre. I mean, that's ninety nine percent of the cameo. Like he was a feature rapper in almost all of Dre's albums. I think he was even on a Jay Z album, if I remember correctly. Uh, Jay Z, Fifty Cent, Snoop Dogg. Oh, Fifty Cent for sure. Like so, uh, Eminem I had in there, and then Drake I would is much more modern, obviously, but um, also just dropped some fire verses and and is not as quite as good as Lil Wayne in the one liners, if you will, but uh, is known every now and again to to drop one. Yeah, and and he's doing, and I don't necessarily love to say it because I don't like everything Drake puts out, but I like a lot of things that he puts out. Um, he is on a similar trajectory of Lil Wayne. I mean, he even started in Young Money, Cash Money, which right. was Birdman and Lil Wayne, and you know he was on some. He was featured on some of their kind of like collabs. Still, still, every time, even at the rec league here, uh, every time I shoot a three, I yell out Young Money, Cash Money. So, <laughs> <laughs> cash money billionaires, uh, and you know now he he also is the same way where he kind of seamlessly has features on like the latest hits with artists who are maybe even just one hit wonders, but, but Drake is able to get on and kind of elevate their song. So I think those are both great picks. Um, here is I go, I'm going to take a little bit of a Homer pick, but I think also is, is probably a good, uh, or worthy of the selection. I'm going to take Kendrick and then I am going to take two chains. What? Kendrick's a Homer pick. Explain. Some people, are unaware of the vast amount of features that Kendrick has. A lot of people say they love Kendrick and they've listened to one album of his and that's all they know. Um, this man hasn't put out a bad verse ever. This man. Oh, I was with Kendrick puts out great verses, but to say he hasn't put out a bad verse ever is a stretch. He had me listening to a Taylor Swift song. Bad Blood Remix. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, so he's amazing. Obviously, he has arguably one of the greatest verses of all time on Control with uh, Big Sean and, and uh, Jay Electronica, where that was where he really put the industry on notice, and then Good Kid Mad City came out after after that. But And, and then 2 Chains. 2 Chains has almost made his career solely as a feature rapper. And just always comes, comes in, in. Rhyme, rhyme, rhyme. rhymes like uh, helicopter with tobacco and just all types of good stuff. So he's 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 a winner. Damn. For sure. Well, uh, all right. Next, I will. I, I can't argue much of that. Um, this man is the professional. This is definitely a David versus Goliath matchup here, folks. So. You got you got two heavy hitters as your well, first two picks. So yeah, but we all know unless you're usually when it's you versus I, it's not the top three on your big board that that make the difference. It's where you what you do in the the later rounds that really make up your your draft board here. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna this is might be too early, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I believe it in my heart of hearts uh, and I respect women. Um, I'm taking Nikki. Um, I'm taking okay. Nikki, and here's why. I don't think Nikki's put out a good song by herself yet. Uh, but God, <laughs> but harsh, God damn, when she's when she's a feature rapper, Nikki drops some just some flames. Uh, 
Yeah, I agree. She was uh she was joining my team in the next round, so that's a good thing. So I, I I'm gonna take Nikki and then you took two chains from me, uh, which I had, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I, this is where it gets tough. I've, I'm torn between two, and I just, this might be a reach. I just don't think he's gonna get to me in the last round. Um, so give me Notorious Big. Yeah, that's uh, that's good draft strategy. That is good draft strategy. Also, a slept on feature artist because obviously wasn't wasn't alive for super long and and those singles are from long ago but had some absolute great singles the thing i love about what biggie does as a featured artist is he matches the flow of whoever the primary artist is so if he's on a song with bone thugs he raps like bone thugs if he was on a song with you know puffy or fucking whoever else um busta rhymes flavor in your ear like he is able to match the flow and the tempo of the main kind of artist of a song, which is very difficult to do. Um, so yeah, elite, he's elite. Uh, so I got to round out the team here with who I was hoping to get taken off the board by you in the last round. I am going to go ahead and take Andre 3000. I did not have Andre 3000 on my big board and that is a mistake on my part. He has some, he has some verses that are just unbelievable uh, on some features with Drake, Lil Wayne, uh, even like international players anthem yeah, I, songs like that. Yeah, was, I mean, again, t- this is just a tip of the cap to Ian. Like the man is an encyclopedia. I did not have Andre three thousand on the big board, and that is on me. Now this is where I'm potentially going to get in trouble because. I have a popular pick as in like they are they would probably uh, the the casual person would probably take pick A but I'm going to take pick B and that's Ooh. Kanye. Tell me why. Kanye was the same way where he kind of started his career with a lot of features. He he hasn't done features recently. Um but even like when we were in college and high school, he was doing features on songs uh like Lamborghini Mercy and he just sometimes I almost think that's where he's best because he forces himself to stay within kind of already a predefined scope from a lyrical standpoint and uh he just comes in and and hits a good like 45 seconds and dips on out of there (laughs) that's true yeah but I just okay I I agree but I just don't think Kanye's verses in his features at least when I was doing this my research on this topic i just didn't feel like the verses in his features were very good that's fair that's fair uh oh i forgot i forgot these like on lil wayne's lollipop young jeezy's i put on uh yeah young jeezy's a high school pick high school kanye features were I would agree. Gosh. Now that you're saying these, I I guess I agree. All right, I'm gonna wrap my my team up here um, with a. I guess when when you said you were gonna take a homer pick, uh, this is who I thought you were gonna take. Um, I'm I'm very torn between two people, but I think I'm gonna lean uh, this way. Oh, but see, you know what? No, I'm changing. I'm doing it. This is the last minute switcheroo. It's like draft. It's like draft day. The movie. Uh, I'm taking Rick Ross. 
Nice. I, I'm doing it. I'm a bigger fan of Rick Ross. Um, I, I'm oh, give it to me. Um, I think Rick Ross is a good feature, better feature rapper, just like Nicki. Better feature rapper than he is his own song. Uh, although Triple Beam Dreams, good song. Um, but still, Rick Ross can come in, drop a few one-liners here and there. I'll take Rick Ross. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Who who were you Big going Sean. to take? Okay, that would have that would have been a good pick. The person that I was thinking about taking instead of Kanye was Quavo. Ooh, uh, on my big board, uh, my I only had two more left on my big board, and that was Jay Z and Quavo. Jay Z, Quavo after Rick Ross and Big Sean. So, um, it's kind of disappointing to see a rap a, li- a list built around rap without Jay Z on it, though. Yeah, and I had almost forgot about some of the features that Jay Z had. Um, so, so that was a little bit of like a reintroduction for me, even as I was kind of going back. The only other person that I had on my big board that we haven't mentioned was Ooh, Jay Cole. Great one too. Uh, another guy who doesn't do a lot of features, but anytime he does, the song gets elevated, and he's had a lot of very good ones as of late, and and, and he showed a lot of range in them. I think. Um, which is maybe the only knock that people have on J. Cole sometimes is that he can his sound can be somewhat repetitive and and even his message. And I think that he's kind of uh put that to bed over the past couple of years via either his own albums and singles or his features on people like fucking 21 Savage, Jeezy. Um, what's another one that pops up to the top of my head? lost it but regardless uh we'll run our teams down real quick here i have lil wayne kendrick lamar two chains under 3000 and kanye i've West. got drake eminem nikki notorious big and ricky rose i think this could be a hell of a matchup especially on the social medias uh episode 51 i've got a triple Ooh, banger we got i've only got two let's see what, if we have any overlap if we have an overlap we're going with the overlap well, I got Ichiro, Randy Johnson. I and have Bernie Ichiro Williams. and Randy Johnson. So take your pick. I, I vote Ichiro, but I do I do love uh for obvious reasons, I do love the nickname the big unit. So so yeah. either one of those two I'm good with. I, I think we go with Ichiro here as just a complete legend and uh give us a little international. We, we do flair. need that. We are we are a podcast of the people, you know. Also Ichiro is one of the greatest hitters of all time. And you know what? I think you and I both could be described as hitters in our own right. (laughs) That's the nicest compliment you've ever given me. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 51 of the Cutback Podcast. Uh, You have just listened to a couple degenerates. And and if you've listened this far, you too are a degenerate. And we're happy to have you. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel. Try not to get laid the fuck out.